Welcome to Health Now from WebMD. I'm your host, Carrie Gann. Before we get to today's show, can you take care of something for us? Please rate and review Health Now wherever you get your podcasts. It will help other listeners find out about us. And if you haven't already, be sure you subscribe to the show too. You wouldn't want to miss an episode, would you? Thank you. Now, on to the show. The COVID-19 pandemic really upended the way we do lots of things. Working, shopping, socializing, learning, the list goes on and on. But eventually, people found new ways to get those things done. Today, we want to talk about another activity that, in theory, seems hard to do when you can't get out and about in the same ways you did a few months ago. Dating. Now, lockdowns and social distancing earlier this year radically changed the game plan for people looking for a mate. And today we want to talk about how people are finding relationships now. And whether you've met someone new or you've had a partner for a while, what's happened to our sex lives during the pandemic? We'll hear from an expert who says we're in the middle of a sexual revolution. But first, let's take a look at the COVID-19 dating scene with Andrea Gunning and Ben Fetterman. They're the hosts of Dating Diaries, Questions and Confessions, a podcast that's all about the new ways people are looking for love in the middle of the pandemic. New episodes drop every Wednesday. Andrea Gunning, Ben Fetterman, welcome to Health Now. Thanks for having us. Yeah, we're really excited to be here. Yeah. Um, I, my first question for you, you know, initially, I think COVID took a lot of the typical approaches to dating completely off the table. You can't see a movie or meet in a bar when those places are completely shut down. But people have pivoted, obviously. Um, Tell us the kinds of changes you've heard people making to both meet new people and to make dating work in this environment. You know, I think people are just taking creative approaches to meeting new people. I think that everyone can say that once quarantine hit and shelter in place came down, people were reaching out to their friends, family that they hadn't talked to in a really long time. And people that you may have not thought about in a while came from, you know, out of the woodwork. So, you know, I think a lot of people were reconnecting with friends and friends of friends that they hadn't talked to in a while, which I thought was really interesting. I know that I did that, which I think lent itself to a lot of connections that may have not happened when people were focusing on their daily lives and the hustle and bustle of their daily routine. Right. Um, Obviously, I think that people have been really leaning on the apps. I mean, Everyone knows at this point that the apps were booming. Yes. Yeah, people were just going on and talking because they just wanted to talk to somebody. You're talking and apps, to be clear, you're talking about like Bumble and Hinge and, you know, yeah. even like Match.com, those kinds of sites. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I think even like a week or two, we started this podcast, like just as Shelter in Place came down, like maybe a week after and it really started because we had friends and friends of friends just talking and like, what is happening with my dating life now? Like, where, where is my love life going to go? And stories just started coming in and, um, you know, but the, the one thing that's been really constant is these reconnections from people's past, but also the apps. I mean, that's been the go-to for so many people and it was before quarantine, but I think that there was this everyone slowed down and channeled a ton of their efforts and time and talking online. That makes sense. I mean, that was kind of the only avenue available. Um, oh, and yeah. Even still, I mean, you know, you're not going to 
spend a lot of time in a bar on Saturday night, depending on where you live, um, you know, trying to meet somebody new, it definitely needs to be more of an online venture. Yeah. And I mean, Carrie, to that point, you know, the, the accessibility, as you said, to bars and movie theaters and the traditional spaces that we go to meet people with those gone, that's where the creativity comes in. Um, so although the apps may be a good jumping off point, I think what we've seen through our show and through our audience and through our guests is how do you utilize the resources you have in your own home or very safely in your neighborhood to meet one another. And it's been very interesting to hear how people walk that tightrope of making themselves available and open to meeting and, and, and creating connection, but also staying safe at the same time. Right. Uh, and to that point, I mean, you guys mentioned, Dre, you mentioned how, you know, apps were already booming before all of this started, but then there's obviously been a new level of creativity introduced here. Do you think mm -hmm. any of these changes that you've seen in how people are socializing are, might be here to stay, whether they're good changes or bad changes? <laughs> I, I think that the emphasis, I know a lot of us have Zoom fatigue at this point so yes. far in. <laughs> But I do. We're think on Zoom that now, so we are on yeah. Zoom now. We're a bit maxed out <laughs> <laughs> um, across the board. But I do think so. There was a cadence to the online dating that everyone who was experiencing that before quarantine knew. You reach out to someone, you evaluate their pictures, what their comments, what their profile says, and then you casually engage in conversation. And it may or may not yield an in-person date. Now we have this new normal where the option to go on a Zoom date or a FaceTime date is now normalized, which before I would have scoffed at the idea of someone being like, can we do like a intro round via FaceTime? Like that would never have happened. Mm -hmm. And I actually think that this is going to stay. And I actually, over the last few months, have really valued this new step in online dating just because... I think there's a little bit less pressure on this FaceTime or on the Zoom where you're in the comfort of your own home. You have that and you are really focused face-to-face -face on the individual that's right in front of you on the screen. You don't have a ton of environmental factors. Um, so I, I do think that that's something that's going to continue regardless uh, moving into the future and as we continue to get closer to a vaccine because I think that people are actually really leaning into that workflow. And I hate to call it a workflow, like it's a job, but it's, it's, it's a workflow. <laughs> and, and by the way, this was a hot topic for us throughout the podcast and the experience of, of you know, the pandemic. I think when Andrea and I first started recording, she and I agreed that, yeah, video dating is a decent alternative right now, but nothing beats the real thing, right? right. There's right. something about being in front of another person and really meeting them that you cannot replace. However, as time has gone on, I think Andrea and I have started to change our tune on that a little bit because there is a level of both time and expectation that goes into that first date. And I'm saying that around online dating with the apps. When you mm -hmm. meet someone or swipe right on an app, you're seeing almost a curated facade of who they are. You're yeah. seeing curated pictures, curated answers that are through prompts that everyone has to, has to respond to. And you're not really getting to know the person 
until you have to actually pick a night and go out and take the time mm -hmm. three or four hours to have dinner and a drink and, and meet the person. With this video dating, you actually do get to see the person smile and you get to hear their voice. You get to actually interact with them in person, whether it's pixelated or clear, depending on your internet connection. But at least it's a step and it's a bit of um, some time saving to know if you feel like there's a connection there or not. Yeah, you can kind of get a little flavor of their personality before you commit to, you know, that three, four hour evening and all the planning and texting and all that kind of stuff that goes ahead of time. That's interesting. Um, talking about virtual dating, um, you know, in, in terms of like FaceTime or Zoom, those video calls, how do you think that is different from regular dating? Or is it really all that different? I mean, it sounds, it seems like it's such a kind of a paradigm shift to actually sitting down with someone. But in the mm -hmm. end, you're just, you're still having a face-to-face -face conversation. So is it similar, different? I mean, I, I mean, it's, it's definitely different. You can't replace the person next to you, right? Like that's, it, there, there's really no comparison, but it's, I think it comes down to time and an effort. So for me, I mean, we talked about this a little bit on the podcast when we were talking about intimacy and, you know, missing that intimacy factor, because you can't really change that feel, that feeling that you get when you're sitting next to someone at a bar and like the person next to you on the bar stool next to you, and it's going well, and you can feel the chemistry between the two of you and you put your hand on their arm or on their knee and you're sending subtle message with your body language. Like you can't, you can't replicate that online. You just can't. Right. And so that's why I, there's such an emphasis on creativity because I do think you can try to and show interest in, through creative ways, but there is no comparison to that. Like just physical touch and body language. Um, so I do think that they're really, it's hard to compare, but I do think people are using the opportunity to do those initial Zoom and FaceTime dates as like values clarification. And I think that there's a little bit more um, opportunity for people to be empowered by their boundaries because you have an actual boundary between you and that other person where if you're on a date and you're drinking, you're more likely to just kind of talk about fluff or um, just kind of have go with the flow conversation. A lot of the information that I'm getting from, you know, singles who are doing a lot of FaceTime and Zoom dates, they're actually getting to more deeper, more meaningful conversations earlier on. So when Ben was saying it's, you know, about time and commitment and investment, you're getting more information up front because there's this level of, you know, feeling confident that a lot of people may not want to dig into face to face on that very first date, if that makes any sense. Yeah, that makes sense, I think. And just to jump back to something that Andrea said that I think is really important, and it's something that Andrea and I want to explore further, and part of the reason why we're excited to talk to you guys at WebMD is that chemistry isn't just a buzzword. You know, chemistry actually refers to actual pheromones and, and feelings and, and um, you know, uh, brain chemistry that's happening when you interact and meet someone that you're, that you're attracted to. Right. That, very, there's a very that, biological element to it. Exactly. There's a lot going on in us that is not 
expressed or experienced when you're doing that over the web. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, you know, as our show continues to evolve, that's something that we're interested to uh, in exploring about dating diaries. What, what about this new normal are we missing? What should we be doing, you know, from our, to, for ourselves to try to continue to be able to work within this new normal and give ourselves the ability to create that deep connection with someone. And Dre said it, I I do think there's a value reset. I do think people are meeting one another on more of an emotional and um, yeah, an emotional level rather than just jumping right into the physical relationship. And it's interesting to see how that uh, evolves over time. For sure. I'm sorry not to cut you off, but as Ben was alluding to, I mean, there was a ton of people going into this quarantine that for the last year or a few months or a few years were prioritizing the physical element of a relationship with whomever and an actual relationship wasn't the priority. So just having sex and sexual relationships with people, that was what they wanted and kind of wanted to move forward. And because that kind of came to a halt, I think it slowed a lot of people down to figure out, is this really what I want? And if so, you know, what am I missing? Um, we actually just talked to a single, um, like a week ago who hadn't had like a physical relationship with somebody with a guy in like three years. And then quarantine came because she works so much Uh and then quarantine came and then she was like, Oh, you know, my job, I'm on, I'm furloughed. I now can focus on dating. And now she's got four guys that she's talking to and meeting up with. So, I mean, it's not necessarily a straight path for everybody, but you know, there are people who slow down, got a value reset, a priority reset. And, you know, it's a lot of things are becoming clear for people. Um, so that's just been really interesting. That makes sense. I think I've, I've read in a couple of articles that, you know, people who are, you know, matchmakers or, you know, do this as a, you know, on the professional side of things, they are seeing like an increased demand uh, from people who really want to find someone to make a connection with. So yeah, that could, to your point, people's priorities may be shifting a little bit and they're focusing on this a little more. Mm-hmm. Um, totally. hundred percent. So obviously the virtual date is not perfect, but you can make it work. Um, what are some of the best tips you have heard on having a great zoom or FaceTime date? Um, Oh man, I feel like we have so many from the yeah, show. Yeah, you guys, like, you, you've talked to like, so many people. <laughs> it's like the good, bad, and ugly, right? Um, but I guess we'll try to keep the the positive tips first, and then we can give some <laughs> feedback on what not to do on these Zoom dates. Yeah, we, we can we definitely learn. Off. We can definitely learn from the horror stories too. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would just say, like effort, intention, and creativity. Mm-hmm. So when you have the, those three things. I feel like you're showing up well for yourself and the other person that's logging on. You know, we've heard people coordinating dinners and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, having it delivered and then sharing that meal. Like that's just so creative and thoughtful and getting dressed and putting yourself together, whether it's only from the waist up, (laughs) I think is decent self-governance and also shows the other person that has made that time and carved that time out for you that you're actually interested and willing to put in a little bit of effort. So, you know, I, I just think that now is the time for creative measures. So 
So when you're approaching someone, especially if you're interested after talking to them, it's like, what can I do to show decent intention and my personality? What do you think, Ben? I think everything, I mean, creativity is the big one here. One thing just to add on top of everything that you said is honoring the milestones of the year or in someone's life. Like if it's a birthday or, you know, it's a, it's a anniversary for, um, for a friend or um, it's a holiday, like, you know, St. Patrick's day or labor day that just came up. Like what can you do that you would normally do in normal times that you can replicate over a virtual date? So like, can you throw a party where you get dressed up and like a cocktail party or something like that, that allows engagement between the two people. Uh, I heard a story about um, they, uh, two people had, had, or I guess one individual had an annual ball that they wanted to take the other person to, but because of uh, the pandemic, that ball got canceled. What did they do? They dressed up in formal affair, hung out over Zoom and like cooked this really nice meal and had a date out of it and had like a little soiree. Like, that's so nice. Fun, yeah, fun stuff like yeah. that that just keeps it fresh, keeps it engaging, and you're not just staring at another person on the other side of the screen. Right. Uh, I think I think the other thing I'd say is, you know, beyond that is, you know, find an activity, keep it light, do something fun that um, creates a little more engagement that can then allow the date to move into more of a conversation after the fact that you do get to know someone on a deeper level as you have that conversation after you've done something fun and engaging with that person. All right. What about some of the horror stories? What are some things you've heard from people you've talked to that have just gone horribly wrong? Well, the worst one that we heard. (laughs) (laughs) Same one I'm thinking of. (laughs) I I think you're thinking of the same one was this girl had talked to this guy for a few weeks, I think, Ben, and um, they set up a, a Zoom or a Facebook date. And within 30 seconds, the, the guy was like, listen, I, I have really bad service. Let me like re-log on. And so she was just waiting. And all of a sudden, he defriended her on oh. Facebook, unconnected on every like platform that they were connected on. So within seconds, she realized, oh, he must have seen me, wasn't interested, and just hung up. And oh my gosh. Posted. And I think I, so that's just like a basis of there is another human being that's putting aside time to talk to you and see you. You may not be interested like that other, even if he wasn't interested, all you could, he could have hung on for 10, 15 minutes and said, listen, you're a great person, but I, I'm not interested in a romantic relationship. Best of luck. So it's just <laughs> been one of those things that we are learning that it's so hard for people to have difficult conversations. You know, it's easier for someone to hit the eject button and send that anonymous rejection than actually honor someone and say, listen, you know, this isn't for me. And that was really hurtful to that person, you know? So right. that's, I think that's the rudest thing that I've ever <laughs> seen. I mean, yeah. I know that I had, I had one where this guy was, took the call from, his work and I, he worked in a suit shop and there was just a, but like, it just, just sends like this weird vibe. I'm like, are you on a break? Like, are you taking this date while you're <laughs> on your lunch break? I'm, I'm confused. So it's just like setting an intention for to honor someone's time. I think 
is what I learned the most out of the disasters. What were you thinking, Ben? Did I cover? I mean, that, that was, that was the, definitely the worst story we heard. I think one that we heard earlier, earlier on in the pandemic was with one of our guests that met someone on the apps. Uh, they decided to move it to a virtual date. They were really like vibing with one another and they decided to set a time, um, I think at like 8 p.m. And uh, she had like confirmed at 5 p.m. Hey, are we still on for tonight? And he's like, yep, all good. And then come 7.30, uh, he goes, hey, something came up. Can I reschedule? And, it, it, and then from that reschedule, never talk to her again. Aww. And it, it, it's a matter of like, from the first example that Andrea gave, it's about honoring someone else's time. When we were all in lockdown, what did you have at 8 p.m. that had you <laughs> busy and running out of your house? Tiger like, King. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Like, you know, part of this is honoring one another. And, you know, if for whatever reason it came up, make a clear intention to reschedule and be intentional about why you need to and set another time. Right. Don't, you know, don't just ghost and leave that person hanging to think, well, what was all the leading up to this about? Where were you just wasting my time? Um, I think it's just right now, especially when we're all a bit more vulnerable and cooped up and, and probably, you know, a little more emotionally heightened. As Andrea said, we need to be kind and intentional and straightforward with one another and not just lead one another on or even worse, ghost each other out there. That's true. It's so, I mean, this is such a stressful time for everyone and you really don't know, especially if you've never really talked much to the person, you really don't know what's going on in their personal life. So it pays to be kind and understanding. That's true. There's got to be a healthy competition for the worst person in the world when it comes to <laughs> first dates. <laughs> well, I mean, not to do a self plug, but we are doing a ghost of the year award with season two of our podcast. So oh, anyone boy. listening that's been uh horrifically ghosted uh please send us your story uh you can find us on instagram dating diaries qc or uh email us at our gmail account dating diaries pod at gmail.com uh competition is going through the end of the season so we've talked about this a couple of times meeting up in person there's only so many zoom dates you can go on to get to know right. someone what are some of the ways that people are navigating the question of how and when to meet up in person there's a little bit of a safety question to that these days. And it may be tough to seem fun and approachable if you feel like you have to grill someone, someone about where <laughs> they've been and what they've been doing before you meet them. Um, so how, how have you been hearing people kind of artfully handling that? Yeah, so this has obviously changed over the last few months because what it was like in April, May, early June, when states were still closed, you know, that came with its own set of constraints and this delicate dance where for me personally, I was either having to talk for a while, like a week, two weeks to really build up that comfort level to suggest, you know, a um, social distance walk. Like we're just talking a walk or walking with coffee. Then there was like, you know, you had 50% of the people suggesting that and that effort. And then the other side of the coin where people within 20 minutes of me talking to them, and this is the case for other singles I was hearing from, you have people being like, what are you doing tonight? You know, could we social distance watch a movie on your couch? Like, what? I don't know you, you're a stranger <laughs> coming into my home. There's a pandemic, what are you talking about? 
So that was the dance that was happening in the spring. And now with the states are opening up and we have outdoor dining, um, there are more options and things are becoming a little bit more normalized to go outside. So I think that there are safe options for people to feel comfortable with, right? So, you know, I think that as you get more familiar with somebody, <laughs> you know, you get comfortable with them. And through conversation, you know, you're exploring what people are doing day to day, what their quarantine bubble is. And, you know, you, there's casual ways of bringing up what that person's day to day workflow and like life and routine looks like to assess your comfort level with how they're living their life. So I think that that's, you know, you're, people are just assessing one another as they talk more, there is that comfort level. And I think that a lot of cities like Philadelphia, where we live, are doing a good job of creating outdoor dining experiences that feel safe, that regardless of how you feel, you know, being super close with someone, you at least have something outdoors, outside to go and meet face to face. You know, one thing that Andrea says uh, on the podcast a lot um, that we ultimately uh, learned from Brene Brown is that clear is kind, unclear is unkind. And that's something that, you know, we've really dove into in, in speaking um, about what we're seeing in dating culture right now. You know, we heard a story about a young woman who was in a relationship. And as things started to open up, her and her boyfriend had two very different values about what open, opening up means. And it created a lot of conflict in, in the relationship and ultimately ended it. And I think the, the importance of clear is kind, unclear is unkind, is that now more than ever, where life is not as fluid and easy as, as we know it to be, really being clear about what you need to feel comfortable and to feel safe is important for a relationship to be successful. If you are going out to a bar, I, I shouldn't say a bar, if you're going out to dinner, let's say outside, but that's something that's stretching your comfort zone, how's that gonna impact how you show up to the other person and ultimately that relationship being successful? Right. However, if you convey to the person you're going on the date with that you actually don't really feel comfortable about going out to dinner right now, can we think of a creative way otherwise that we can spend time together? like? a walk in a park or a picnic where it's just the two of us, you know, that you're setting yourself up for more success in that relationship and being with that person. So I guess my point is, as we navigate the idea of meeting in person, whether you're meeting someone for the first time or you're figuring out how to, how your relationship with someone's going to evolve in this new world that we're dealing with, being very clear about what you need is very important right now. Very important. Right. Very important. I like that point because, you know, auto, you're right off the bat giving an impression of, you know, you're not giving a false impression of what you're comfortable with and you're letting that person, you know, set their expectations accordingly. That's a really good tip. Yeah. I like that a lot. And all this kind of leads to my next question. Do you think the pandemic has created pressure to get exclusive faster? It seems like people may be more reluctant to get involved with someone who's like having a lot of contact with different people right now. But then again, it's probably pretty easy to just go on tons of Zoom dates and keep things, you know, casual. Um, I feel like this is a, a bit of a trigger for me, Carrie. I, the, the theme that we're seeing in this whole experience is that relationships are either heating up or flaming out in a flash. 
I think it gets back to something we talked about earlier, um, which is there is a bit of a values reset happening. So on the podcast, I agree with Andrea 100%. A lot of the stories we've been hearing are relationships either um, heating up or flaming out immediately. Um, and that there is a very quick movement to, um, or there's a very quick kind of cadence or timing to a relationship. Um, the other thing that we've heard is that singles right now that are looking for someone don't really want to go through another lockdown or another pandemic, God forbid, another wave of this alone. I think loneliness is something that we've started to explore on the podcast too, that people are eager to uh, date and connect because when you are stuck in your house and you're alone, it's even harder than being there with someone else. Obviously we, we are, as humans, we are social beings and want that interaction, want that connectivity, crave that idea of being with someone else. So I do think that there is uh, a level of people looking to connect and find relationship quicker than before this pandemic. Do you think there are going to be any, you know, permanent benefits um, that we see from, you know, this, this kind of shift in the dating paradigm? A story that I heard that, and this is pre-pandemic, um, but is part of the reason that interested me in this topic just in general and doing the podcast is, you know, I met someone who told me a very, you know, short anecdote of he was on a date. He excused himself to go to the bathroom. While he was in the bathroom, he went on the apps and he set up a date for two nights later while with someone else, while <laughs> currently on a date with someone uh, in person. Wow. And what I've been Andreas, guilty of that. I've been guilty yeah, of that. Yeah, exactly. What Andreas, <laughs> I was going to say, I feel like I've definitely heard people do that as well. <laughs> yeah. It's... But it, it's such a, it, it's a perfect example to show a level of how we were disconnected to ourselves and to the other, other people we were with based on the routines and the patterns that we normally uh, do and have and, and are involved in. What this pandemic did do was it halted life as we know it. That normal routine and, and pattern that we have in our lives. And so I think one positive that can come out of this is for people to actually slow down and look at how they were acting before all this how they were interacting with others, what their value on dating was. Was it for sport or was it to actually get to know someone? If nothing else, this pandemic has served as a giant reset button for a lot of people. So um, yep. we'll have to wait and see what comes of that. Um, Andrea Gunning, Ben Fetterman, thank you so much for talking with us. And uh, it's been really interesting to hear all of your stories uh, from folks that you've been talking to. So thanks for sharing. Thanks for having us, Carrie. Thank you. And I hope everyone gets the opportunity to uh, find us on uh, Apple, Apple Podcasts and wherever you can find it, Dating Diaries. Well, it's clear that dating looks a lot different these days, but what about sex? Maybe the stresses of the pandemic have really taken a toll on your sex life, or maybe it's better than ever. We're going to talk about what can make the difference with Dr. Justin Lay Miller. He is a social psychologist and research fellow at the Kinsey Institute. He's also the author of the book, Tell Me What You Want, The Science of Sexual Desire and How It Can Help You Improve Your Sex Life. 
Dr. Justin Lee Miller, welcome to Health Now. Hi, Carrie. Thanks for having me. So despite all the changes that COVID-19 has brought about, people are still going on dates and trying to form connections with new people. What have you observed about how the pandemic is shaping new relationships? Are people tending to just kind of hop from one Zoom date to the next, or do you have the sense that people are forming deeper connections right now? So at the Kinsey Institute, where I am a research fellow, we've been conducting a longitudinal study since mid-March to look at how this pandemic is affecting people's sex lives, dating lives, and relationships. And we've been following up with our participants every few weeks since, so the data collection is still underway. And what we found in terms of looking at those results is that different people seem to be impacted in pretty different ways. So when it comes to dating specifically, there are some people who are much more cautious about it than they were before. And in fact, some people who just refuse to date entirely or they'll only go on virtual dates right now. Um, but you have other people who are kind of going about business as usual where not a lot has changed for them. So it's it's really a wide spectrum of behaviors. But right. one, of the, one of the things that we see for the people who are online dating right now is that they are forming deeper connections than they were in the past. And in the past, you know, people used to meet pretty quickly after they would match on one of these apps. But what people are doing now is spending much more time talking, getting to know each other at a deeper level. And I think that's interesting and a potentially positive development because when these people actually do go to meet in person, their relationship might start out on more solid footing because they really took that time to, to really get to know each other at a deeper level first. One of the interesting things we found was that uh, about one in five of our participants also say they've reached out to an ex since the pandemic. Part of that is driven by some people are just reevaluating their past relationships in light of what's going on in the world right now. And so for some of them, it's a desire to reconnect with an ex. Um, and in some cases, that's coupled with, well, I realized my current partner isn't <laughs> who I thought they were. And that's something that uh, therapist Esther Perel has talked a lot about is sort of this idea that this pandemic is a what she calls relationship accelerator, where it's kind of accelerating whatever trend line you were on before the pandemic happened. And so if things were already in a good place, then you're accelerating to an even better place. But if things were in a bad place to begin with, it's, it's accelerating off a cliff pretty quickly. What are the kinds of things that you think people are sort of getting to more quickly than before that would lead them to form a deeper connection off the bat? Can you give some examples? Sure. So the key thing that is important when it comes to establishing a relationship or a connection with somebody else is really mutual self-disclosure, where you're revealing things to somebody else that you wouldn't normally tell somebody uh, unless you really or invested in that relationship, or we're really trying to get to know them. So people are sharing more intimate aspects of their lives and who they are and what it is that they want and what they're looking for. And ultimately, like I said, I think this is a really positive development because people are building that intimacy, they're building that trust, that connection, and that can really help these relationships to, to thrive going forward. Certainly. Um there does come a time, of course, when it's time to, if, if you're up for that, if you're not someone who's being incredibly cautious, um, meet in person for the first time. 
And there's probably likely going to be an awkward conversation you'll want to have about safety, right? Like, will you wear a mask? How do you feel about physical contact? All of those different questions. Can you give some advice or some insights that might guide that conversation uh, in a positive direction while still keeping like a sense of fun and excitement to the meetup and not just <laughs> behaving kind of like a contract contact tracer. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a tall order for how we navigate this because it's really an unprecedented situation in so many ways. But I think when we're talking about this pandemic and the potential risks to us and then the risks that we might infect other people and our networks and so forth, it means that we really do have to take this seriously and find ways to address it productively with people that we might want to go on a date with. And so I think it's important for partners to have conversations about the extent to which they've both been social distancing and whether they're having or have experienced any types of symptoms or if they've ever tested positive for COVID before. So it's important to find some way to have those discussions, but not approach it from a position of confrontation or judgment. It's really just kind of laying it all out there in the open in the interest of mutually wanting to protect one another's health, just in the same way that you would have conversations about uh, STD history and sexual health risks. And so you could actually frame it and put all of these things together as part of one bigger conversation about how do we protect one another's health? Because I care about you and this connection that we're developing and just want to make sure that we're both safe and protected. It almost seems like this is like another um, sort of getting to know you thing or aspect of someone's personality or beliefs that you would be covering in those early conversations along with you know, where do you work and what's your family like and all those kinds of things. It's like another uh, layer on top of all that that people are probably talking about in advance. Absolutely. And it's really one of the first things that people are talking about because this situation is affecting everyone in different ways. And I think many of us are curious about the various ways that other people are coping with this. And potentially whether they can learn something from them. So are they doing something different from me that I could try and utilize in my own life to deal with feelings of stress and loneliness and anxiety that I might be feeling? But then also by talking about this, you're kind of building that sort of sense of togetherness that this bond with the other person because we're all in this situation together and it's something that people can, can sort of bond over in a lot of ways. Right. Isn't it weird that we're doing it this way? That's going to like kind of override the whole conversation. <laughs> Absolutely. And yeah, and I, I think it's important that people learn how to talk about things other than just the pandemic and what's going on. Um, because sometimes I think we have a tendency to get a little too focused on it and we all need some distraction and escape. And if we focus too much on what's going on in the world right now, that can kind of make the conversation a little bit more anxiety inducing and less relaxing. That's true. Um, I want to talk about uh, casual sex, one night stands. Those seem like they would get more complicated now with those concerns that we've been talking about, about safety. Um, the Washington posted an article on this recently. And one person said, I would risk my health a lot sooner for a sexual experience than I would for a haircut. And another person said, you know, if you're going to kiss someone, you might as well sleep with them in terms of spreading the virus. Maybe the risk is the same. Now, leaving all facts about spread of the virus and, and safety aside here. Um, what does this say to you about the kinds of decisions people are making 
on when to be physically intimate right now. Well, again, that goes back to this fact that different people are making very different decisions. And part of the decision-making process is how important is sex to you personally? And are you currently in a relationship where say you're living with a partner and you do have access uh, to sex? Or are you single and living alone and you know, sex becomes much more challenging and difficult. So it really depends a lot on just that personal value that you ascribe to sex and what your individual circumstances are. And so some people are willing to take more risks than others because sex is a high priority for them and they don't have access to sex because they're not in an established relationship and not living with a partner. So for them, the considerations are a little bit different. They might be willing to take on more risk because they see sex as a highly rewarding activity. But for people for whom sex isn't quite as important, then you know, the situation isn't quite as big a deal to them because they can meet their needs for connection in other ways. And so maybe by pursuing more online activities and uh, having these online or Zoom social or happy hours and, and activity groups that they join, they can get their needs met that way uh, in, in a way that's much safer in terms of their health and risk exposure and so forth. What about sexting? You've studied this in your research uh, about the pandemic so far. I wonder if there's a role to play in um, you know, this aspect of, of people's lives. It's certainly the case that more people are trying sexting for the first time right now. So what we've seen in our data is that about one in five of our participants in our initial sample of uh, just over 2,000 people reported that they've tried something new in their sex lives since the pandemic began. And among the most common new additions that people are making is they've tried sexting for the first time or had phone sex or sent nude photos to someone. Uh, so, so a lot of these virtual behaviors are increasing for people because they don't have an in-person partnered sexual outlet. And so technology is sort of filling the void for them. Uh, for people who are currently in relationships and living with partners, we see that many of them are trying new things too, but their behaviors are a little different, a little less focused on technology. And so they're more likely to, for example, share and act on their sexual fantasies for the first time or have sex in a new location in the home. So uh, we see that this is an interesting period in time because for many, there's kind of this sexual revolution taking place where people are exploring different sexual sides of themselves. I wanna ask you about um, couples who've been together for a while, uh, especially those who live together, because we're obviously, if you live in the same house with someone, you are together a lot these days and things, you know, the days can get pretty monotonous to a certain point. How do you, keep the spark alive when you're seeing your mate all day wearing their sweats or pajamas probably um or if even if you don't live together you're just sort of texting and talking on facetime um how do you sort of keep keep things exciting yeah so if you don't live together one thing you can do is to look at what the research on long distance relationships has shown and what works in terms of helping those relationships to thrive. That's and interesting because you're basically in a long distance relationship, <laughs> whether exact, you like it or not. Exactly. And a lot of people who are just kind of starting to date now and they don't see each other at all, or they only see each other very infrequently, 
even though they might live pretty close together, it is a long distance relationship of sorts. And so when we look at the research in that area, one of the big keys to success is having very frequent communication and, and making sure that you're setting aside time and making the relationship a priority and maintaining a high level of intimacy. And so you have to keep that self-disclosure going. And you also need to find ways to incorporate newness and novelty into that relationship as well. So find, for example, new activities that you can engage in together online. Or if you and your partner have never sexted before, maybe you try that. Like there's all kinds of different ways that you can go, but having that frequent communication, having that sense of new and shared experiences is really important to, to trying to keep that spark alive. Now, if you're living with your partner, there's a whole different set of considerations right. <laughs> um, because so many people are living with someone in a tight space and they're not used to seeing them all the time. And this is an issue that I dealt with myself. Um, and, you know, as somebody who's really familiar with the research on relationships and what makes them work, even I found it to be really challenging. And one of the big issues- That's not, was, that's not good news for the rest of us, Dr. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can tell you what I learned from my experience, but, um, you know, one of the struggles we had and, and that a lot of people that I've talked to have reported is just finding ways to balance personal space. And, you know, because too much closeness, well, you know, in theory, that sounds like a great thing. Like you can never be too close. Too much closeness can put a damper on desire and it can lead every little thing to become an annoyance or irritation. And so it's finding ways to have quality time together, but also that separateness and getting sort of that right balance of independence and togetherness. This is something that we all struggle with in our relationships, but especially right now when we don't have as many options for going out and, and having our independence as we did before. So the personal space issue is really important uh, for, for a lot of couples, but also it's finding ways to de-stress prior to having your together time so that you can really be focused on each other rather than being anxious and stressed out by the pandemic. And so part of that might be having regular date nights where you turn off your phones and you really spend some time just relaxing and de-stressing first so that you can focus on each other and then putting some effort into that date, treating it like you would any other date. Even if you can't leave your house or go out and do the things that you would do before, it's putting in that same level of effort, showing your partner that you care. And that can really go a long way during these really challenging times. Certainly, because this is, to your point, such a stressful time for so many people, you know, parents, mm -hmm homeschooling kids at home, you know, people who are in a financial crunch because they lost their job, you name it. Um, and stress probably makes it hard for people even to really focus on their sex lives. Um, what would be your advice or, or what does research say about, you know, people who feel like life is too stressful and complicated right now to even really pay attention to intimacy or sexual satisfaction? And that's certainly the case for a lot of the participants in our study. On average, people are reporting having less sex now than they were before the pandemic began. They're also masturbating less too. And mm. I, I think that's interesting because right when this pandemic started, there were all these media reports saying uh, porn use is skyrocketing. Everybody's buying sex toys. Amazon can't keep them in stock. And uh, there's going to be this big baby boom. And so the idea was sort of like, well when people have more time on their hands, what are they going to do? 
other than sit there and <laughs> masturbate and have sex. But <laughs> you know, what we're seeing is that that's really not the case at all. And that there's a lot of people who are too stressed out to have desire to engage in self-pleasure, let alone engage in, in partnered sexual activity. So finding forms of stress management that work for you are really important. One that works for a lot of people is exercise. Mm -hmm. And many people can't go to the gym uh, because their gyms are closed. So you have to find some other way, whether it's biking or running or getting some home workout set, something that gives you that outlet for stress relief. For other people trying mindfulness techniques or meditation techniques can be really useful. And there's a lot of great apps like Headspace that can really help with this. And so try and find some solution for you that reduces stress and anxiety, because that is really the key to opening you up to feelings of sexual desire. And also, you know, during these times of high stress, having that element of novelty in your sex life is really important because when you try something new, it creates a much more immersive experience that really draws you in, right? It takes your attention away from other things, gets you out of your head and into the moment. So think about ways that you can mix it up, try new things, and really just live in the moment and enjoy the physical sensations rather than getting lost in your head. That makes sense. Um, you mentioned a few moments ago, a, there's a sexual revolution going on right now, uh, driven by the pandemic, I'm guessing. Um, tell us more about that. What are, what are, you, what are you seeing that uh, makes you think there's something brand new kind of developing here? Well, it's a sexual revolution for some, and it's a sexual drought for others. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, this, this pandemic, it, it, it's so interesting to look at from the lens of a, a sex and relationship researcher, because we have the, the largest group of our participants is saying that their sex life has declined, that their relationship is in a worse place. But then you have a number of people who say that nothing has changed at all. And then a small group of people who are saying that my sex life is better than ever. My relationship is better than ever, right? So people are all over the board in terms of what's going on. But the people who are reporting the best sex lives and relationships right now are the ones who are undergoing that sexual revolution where they're trying and incorporating new things into the bedroom. So specifically, we find that people who report that they've tried at least one new thing are three times as likely to say that their sex life has improved since the pandemic began as people who haven't tried anything new. And so that's why it's really important, I think, for uh, us to look at this as a way that we can potentially improve and enhance our sex lives is by expanding our sexual repertoire. And that could include engaging in virtual behaviors. Uh, it could include sharing your fantasies with your partner for the first time if you've never done that before. It could include having sex in new positions or new locations or just trying sex toys, anything that just kind of gives you that dose of, of novelty and newness. One other thing I was actually wondering about the other day was cheating, um, because mm -hmm. it seems, you know, you're not having um, lots of casual contact with people, whether at your office or friends, you know, you're pretty much confined to your space for the most part. Um, I wonder if you have any research or um, observations about whether or not cheating has dropped off or gotten more common. I mean, we do know that some of our participants uh, have reported committing infidelity since the pandemic began, but we don't have baseline data to compare that to. Um, I, I know that the, 
the affairs website, Ashley Madison, has reported a spike in users uh, since hmm. the pandemic began, which would suggest that, you know, maybe there is a little bit of a rise in interest in cheating going on, but are people actually going out and making the connections or are they cyber cheating? Um, you know, that's a whole other fascinating topic to explore. And I don't know that anyone has really scientifically studied it yet. One day this pandemic is going to be behind us, hard as that may seem to believe. Um, do you think this, these kinds of changes that you're talking about will have a lasting impact on the way people experience their sex lives and relate to one another? Or do you think it seems like we'll just kind of go back to our old ways as soon as you know, everything is relatively normal again? It's always hard to predict the future, but I think a big part of whether or not these changes are going to last and what they're going to signal and mean for the future depends on how long this situation goes on. And, you know, the sooner that things kind of get back to normal, I think the more temporary it is that, that these changes are likely to be. But if this keeps going on for a long period of time and people get used to these things, uh, we know that human beings are creatures of habit and we can become creatures of habit pretty quickly. And so, for example, in the case of online dating, if you really get used to building a deep emotional connection and talking a lot online, then it's likely that those kinds of things are going to carry over into the future. And if you try new things in your sex life that you find that you really enjoy and like, such as maybe you tried sexting and you previously felt kind of awkward and uncomfortable about it, but now you've developed a certain level of confidence in it. You found that it's enjoyable. That, that's something that's likely to carry over. So it kind of depends on what people's individual experiences are and how long this situation goes on. But I think it's likely that many of these changes will persist and will stick with us. That's interesting. We'll have to see what your, what your research uh, tells us once uh, we've gotten a couple, of mo couple more months behind us on this. <laughs> um, <laughs> Dr. Justin Lee Miller, thank you so much for joining us today. It was really interesting to talk to you. Thanks so much for having me. All right, that's it for this week. Thanks so much for joining us. One more thing before we go, though. Please make sure you've subscribed to our show so you don't miss any of our great episodes. And just a reminder that you can keep up with WebMD's coverage on coronavirus and all things health and wellness on our social channels, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Hope you'll join us next time.